Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. To our service, God is already at move. Hallelujah. Amen. He's doing something powerful here. How many were here on Sunday evening for our Harvest Fest outside? Praise God. If you were not here, you missed out. I'm telling you something, it was powerful. This parking lot was completely packed. You know, as you were up here with the event, uh, I'm telling you what, just looking at all the people in different, different makes and models, hallelujah, amen. It's like being in a car lot, amen. But there was just people all over the place. They were bringing their families in, and God was doing amazing things, amen. I'm telling you what, we, um, I mean, we looked out here, and Pastor was telling me about this but right before the service, but how many saw the back parking lot back here, Amen. When you pulled in, I mean, I know it's kind of hard to look over and see what's going on, but that bar- this back parking lot was completely filled up all the way. I mean, it was through Jimmy's roundabout all the way over, almost over the cattle guard over in the back. I mean, it was all the way back by the lake and everything, amen? Some of you are saying, I didn't even know there's a lake over here. It's not a lake, it's a pond. Hallelujah, amen? But even in our 11 o'clock service this Sunday, and I'm telling you this because we're excited about it, amen? Pastor and I were talking about this, and... It's wonderful. He sent it out on our group text and, and the group me text. And uh, we had a, two, a record crowd for this, a single service this last Sunday morning at the 11 o'clock service. We had 226 of us. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Come on. We can do better than that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I understand it takes, it takes more than numbers to have a good service, amen, but the power of God was in this place, and, and God is changing lives. I'm telling you what, this building right here as it is cannot contain or hold what God has for us, amen. How many believe that tonight? How many believe, amen? God knows, amen. He knows our hearts, and that's the amazing thing about God as I begin to minister this evening. God knows our hearts, and God is already working to give us the desires of our hearts, He's already at work for it, amen? Your family members, this Sunday morning coming, in our 11 o'clock service, in, that, in, in, the, in the Harvest Fest, we did a raffle to all the new people that we saw. People that we hadn't seen before, we gave them a raffle ticket, and Claudia took their name down, and so we're going to do this Sunday at 11 o'clock, after the 11 o'clock service. I'm, I'm trying to excite you here, because this is amazing, amen? We did a raffle for a, for a 65-inch television, Amen. It's a, it, now listen, you say, well, why are we trying to get people in like that? No, listen to me. Any way we can get people to come to be a part of the kingdom of God, to see what God is going to do in their life. Listen, all it takes is one little thing, one little attention that someone gives me. And, and man, I'm locked in. Amen. I was thinking of my mother when she got saved. All it took was one person saying, hey, I want to invite you to this amazing church service. Amen. And she's like, well, I don't know why I want to go to this church service. I don't even go to church. But somebody invited her. Somebody made it special. And she came. And so these people are going to come. Those that that got a raffle ticket, they're coming this Sunday at 11 o'clock. We're going to do, right back here after the service, when it's completely over, we're going to do a welcome party right back here in the back. And we're going to raffle off that TV to one person that that their ticket is in the box. Amen? 
and it's going to be a wonderful time. And so we're going to ask that you just go back here in the big room afterwards and just kind of celebrate with us. And, and when they win, just, 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 just have a good time with them. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we will have some, some snacks and stuff for them uh, that are there. They're going to come in and just have some snacks with us. And we'll have some leaders back there just loving on them, encouraging them. So the snacks are not for us to just go back there and dig in and, and eat before they even get any. Amen. It's for them. Amen. But we want to all do that for them, don't we? Amen. You're doing that for them. We're doing that for them. It's, it's us. This is our church. Hallelujah. Amen. How many are proud of your church? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, now you're wide awake. Amen. I was going to stir you all up and move you around a little bit tonight, but it looks like everybody's exactly where I want them to be. Hallelujah. Amen. There's some that like to hide out a little bit, and there's some that uh, just try to avoid me as I'm preaching. I don't know how it is with pastor when he's preaching, but I know that with, when I preach, there's some that they want to be outside of the eyeball of me, amen? And that's okay because, you know what? We let God do the work, amen? How many know that God's in charge around here? Amen? It's not pastor. It's not myself. Listen, we're here obedient to God, hallelujah, and God does the work, amen? How many have, how many can be honest and say that you've had a friend who was crazy? Just somebody, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, I grew up with Pastor Paul. I was the crazy friend. We grew up in church together, a lot of problems. But there's another friend I have, and it's not Pastor Blake. He's here, one of my best friends here. But let me tell you something. I got another really good best friend that's here, too. His name is Mike Vigil. Mike, put your hand up as high as you can. Now, this guy right here is an interesting case, okay? And I'm not doing this to embarrass him. I'm not doing this to, to torment him in any way, although I just love to get him good, and, and I do quite often, amen? But he still loves me. Hallelujah. I'm ministering for just a few minutes. Go ahead and put the title up. You've already seen it tonight, but at the end of your rope, there is no hope. And you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. I'm going to tell a story for just a second. There was a day that, you know, my, my company, we do high-rise work. Back in the day, we did high-rise work. And we were set up on this building in downtown Denver. And what I mean by high-rise work is we're on these, hanging off of these big buildings washing the glass. And... We were up there, and it was a stressful day. The wind was blowing, and, and, you know, we were behind schedule. It was the city water department, and it was the wastewater department. And this building was difficult. You had to climb through tunnels up, up way up in the inside of the building, go through the attic. And you had to get to this place and climb out of these metal grates that were, that were doors up on the roof. And I got to thinking about this. You know, some of the time in our walk with God, we do some really crazy things. Sometimes we get to the very end of our rope and there's absolutely no hope at all. Amen? But in this particular case, this one day, this one crazy friend of mine, he comes out, he climbs up the building. I had no idea he was even close to me. I knew he was in Denver, but I did not know he was there at the job site. He went through the building, came up through the elevators, found us somehow, came out of the door we were at. I did not know this about him, but he runs out of the building. He had his harness on his he had, I don't even know what kind of harness, and don't, please don't tell me because I don't want to remember. But he had his figure eight on his loop, on his belt. Now, when we come off of these buildings, we normally are supposed to have OSHA regulations, our full body harness, those that work in construction, in heights, you know, you have to have the legal equipment to come off of these buildings. And, and, and so we're all fully body harnessed. Of course, I wasn't because I don't do the work, but it, it, these guys were, amen? I'm scared to death of those buildings coming off on those ropes. I've never made my sons do that because I wouldn't make anybody anymore do that if I won't even do it myself. Amen? 
But the truth of the matter is, is this guy, this friend of mine, he comes running out of the building, and I mean, I'm really shocked. And, you know, one of the conversations we had a lot about this building is it looked like a Batman castle, Batman house. It's just a big castle building. It's over by Mile High Stadium, and it just looks like Batman's house, amen? It's just, it just has that look to it. And we're up on this deck, and my guy, he's, he's almost to the ground washing windows. And I knew he was close to the bottom because I had just looked over the edge, and I'm watching him because we're about to take a break. And all of a sudden, here comes Mike Vigil flying out of the door. I didn't know that he had already communicated with the guy downstairs, but he comes flying through the door, and runs over and grabs the rope. Now, we didn't have our ropes connected to machines up there on the roofs. We had them tied down to anchors, which were on the wall. So you got your rope on the wall, and right over the edge is a rope that goes all the way down. Amen? And listen, that's, that's a long ways down. Mike runs over, and he jumps on top of the wall, straddles the wall, connects, instantly connects, throws his other leg over, and disappears. I didn't know that he had his anchor. I didn't know he had his belt on. I didn't know he had his figure eight. I don't even know if it was a figure eight. I don't want to know, Mike, what you had on. But I do know that Mike disappeared instantly. And I began to think, and I mentioned this, this phrase at the end of your rope with no hope on Sunday. But I decided to preach on there is hope, amen, when we get to the end of our rope. And thank God that Mike was, you know, there was hope for Mike in that particular time of his, uh, I would call it stupidity, amen. I think we've agreed after all these years that it wasn't very smart to do that. And he still even says, I can't believe I did that. But he's a master roper. He, I mean, he can get down there and he, I mean, he's done it for years. He knew how to do it. But I was scared to death. You say, why are you telling me that? I don't know. It just sounded good. Amen. It was a good story. But anyways, we're going to preach the word of God. Hallelujah. I want to ask you a question tonight. Why is it? That some people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ ministered and preached. Why is it that some people could come into the house of God, they can get preached to, and, 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 and they're, you know, most of the time when people come to church, they're in a very vulnerable uh, position in their life. Something's going on. Something's wrong. They've been, they've been uh, conned into coming to church, or they've been, uh, you know, someone said, you know what, you, you either come with me or, you, or I'm done with you. Amen? There's, there's a... I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but it doesn't matter. It's like most of us come to church because there's either a problem or we need something in our lives. Amen? Now, there are cases where church people are looking for a better church, a church that literally preaches the gospel. Because in today's world, our churches, are, our messages are being watered down. The preachers are getting up, and even the Catholic churches now are saying that homosexuality is okay. Let me tell you something. They would put me in jail before they tell me that I can preach from a pulpit, that they tell me I have to preach from a pulpit, that it's okay. It's not okay. Because the Word of God is the truth, amen? Yes, we are to obey the laws of the land, but let me tell you something. That does not trump the Bible. It does not trump God's Word. This is the ultimate Word, and this is the ultimate truth for our life, walking with God, amen? But it's so amazing to me how some people, they can hear the gospel and their hearts, uh, you know, it, it penetrates their heart. It cuts right back down into their sin. They accept Jesus and then they're born again and they make it for God. And then on the other hand, there are people who, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. They hear the same message. They hear the same gospel being preached and they never feel anything and they never truly repent of their sins. Do you know anybody like that? You know, I think we all do because, you know, every week people get saved in this service in our church. And, you know, we wonder they come for a week or two, but then they're gone all of a sudden. 
It's a hard thing to understand. The Bible says, if you have your Bibles, I know you're taking notes, but 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It says, so godly sorrow, for godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You see, this word repentance, we can look at it as a feeling of sorrow for wrongdoing or remorse. It causes us to repent of our sin. Amen? How many? You, you, you do something that's not pleasing to God, and all of a sudden, it, there's this feeling that comes upon you. Listen, if you do not feel the conviction of God in your life when you do sin against God, then you've got a real serious problem. But we are supposed to feel the conviction of the Lord, and it causes us to repent of our sins. Let me ask you a question. I'll give you a great example, not just to the young people, because, you know, I know it's very common in our young people, but this also goes to us. But the question I have for you is, have you ever been caught by your parents or by somebody doing something that you, you tell them how sorry you are? You tell them, I'm so sorry. I got, I got caught. You, you caught me sleeping at work. Or, you know, I remember I had a boss one time when I was a young man, 18 years old. I worked in a metal shop. I was a machinist. And I remember I was asleep. I was so bad off. I won't even get into the details of, of what I was involved in at the time, but I was so bad off that I came into work and I would find a hiding spot back in the back warehouse by where the saws were. You know, I knew they came in, they cut the metal on these saws and, and the saws were doing their work, but I found a place way back in the back where I could hide and where I could get away because I was so out of my mind. You know, we, we get like that in our, in our times. And there was, in, in, in those times also, I felt the conviction of God. Because God was at work in my life. It's just like you. You know, your parents tell you to do something and, or they catch you at something. Maybe looking at something on your phone. Your parents ever ask you, what are you looking at? My kids will tell you all the time. I'll, I'll walk up to them and ask them, what are you looking at? And I'll put the fear of God in them. But, you know, now they can lie to me all day long. They, they might think that they're lying to me. But many times they'll say, I'm sorry. Amen? And so here, here this is amazing. Not because, that, you know, they're, they're not sorry because they won't do it again. But they're sorry because they got caught. Do you understand what I'm saying to, to you tonight? You see, uh, you know, the, the, let, me, let me just tell you this. There's two sons in the Bible. Let's read this story in Matthew chapter 21, verse 23 through 32, if we can. It says, now when he came into the, into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching them. And he said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask of you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, he said, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they responded among themselves saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came, he came to the first, and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. 
But afterwards, he regretted it, and he went. Hold it right there for just a second. He said, I will not go to work. Does that sound like some of us rebellious people? In our own lives, God says to do something. We say, I'm not doing it. But see, what I'm talking about in this very moment is the conviction that God puts in our heart that says, okay, I just rebelled against leadership. I just rebelled against a friend. I just rebelled against a family member, somebody that I love and somebody that loves me. But now the conviction of God sits into my life. And now I say, you know what? Okay, you told me to do it. I rebelled against you, but I'm coming back and I'm going to make this right. And that's what this son did. He said, and, 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 and afterwards he regretted it and he went. He said, then he came to the second, and he said, likewise. And he answered, and he said, I go, sir. Yes, sir, I'll go, he said. But he did not go. We know many stories in the Bible where that happened, where he says, oh, oh, yeah, God says go there, and he didn't go there because he was arrogant or selfish in his own ways. Amen? And it says, which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe him. Isn't that a powerful scripture right there? Isn't that amazing? Now, I know none of us fit that category at all. None of us are that way. Because we're just all so obedient to the things of God. Amen? We're just all here. You know, we, we don't mind not calling pastor and saying, you know, I can't make it to church tonight. Oh, we just stay home and do our thing. And, and you know, most of the time it's not because there's really something going on. It's because we are at the end of our rope with no hope. Okay? It's because there's something going on in our lives. And, and you say, well, pastor, you say that, but you don't understand. No, I'm a human being just as you are. I know what's going on in our lives because I'm connected to heaven. I pray every single day I talk to the Lord. And guess what? He speaks to me when I pray to him. Then you say, you mean he speaks to you? No, I don't hear this audible voice that just says, okay, turn left and turn right and go do this and go do that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being led by the Spirit when the conviction of God comes into your life. I'm talking about when you pick up this old one-eyed devil and you begin to look at things that you know you should not be looking at. Man, I got a lot of texts. My goodness. I love preaching here because my phone just rings every time. I'm telling you, just ringing and ringing. Glory to God. It's a blessed place. Amen? But I'm going to tell you something. The bottom line is we need to feel the conviction of God in our lives at all times. And when we do feel the conviction of God, God begins to work in our lives in a different way than we can even imagine. So here we have relent or regret it, these two different types of people. So the first son, the tax collectors and the harlots said no to God, but later they said yes. We'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going to do that for you. The second son, if, 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 it goes like this. It's self-righteous. says, oh, yes, absolutely. I believe in God. I'll do right. But guess what? He never did right. Never did right. And those are the ones that seem to fail. Those are the ones that seem to not go as strong and make it. Amen? You see, the today's Pharisees, these people are the experts in our society. You say, well, there are no Pharisees. Those were in the Bible days, and those were this, and those were that. But listen, the Pharisees in today's world, in our society, they could be the judges. 
They could be lawyers, they could be shrinks, uh, therapists, case managers, uh, successful people. Here it is, a successful dope dealer. Huh? What do you think of that? You mean there are successful dope dealers in the world? You better believe it. There are dope dealers that are getting away with it. And don't believe or think for a moment that the police do not know what is going on in those neighborhoods. They understand it. They're waiting for the right time. It could be a business owner. Oh, you know, these, these drug dealers just say, oh, I own my own business. And I've heard them say it. Had a guy in our, 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 our community there in Costa Rica, in Palas. He was the largest drug dealer in that area. His name was Colas. I don't know if you remember Colas. Colas became a very good friend of mine. Colas came to church one day. He had a big paper bag full of money. And he's banging on my door out there. And I did not want to open it because the moment you open the door and you go out to the gate, you have a line of people just want prayer. They want to talk to you. Not that we don't want to pray for them. It's just we're trying to study like the skit that they did for pastor uh, last couple weeks ago. Amen. And I'm in there and I come out there and Colas has this, Colas has this big old bag of money. And he says, Pastor, I want to give my tithe to the church. And I said, Colas, I cannot take your money, buddy. I can't take this money. Is this drug money? Because you don't work. You don't have a job. Is this from your business? He says, yeah, it's from my business. I'm a dope dealer. He said, Pastor, there's a lot of money in there. This happened many times over there in, in, in that area. They, they come in there. They think they're giving their tithe to the Lord. He says, well, Pastor, you're not going to take this money. He said, that's mind-boggling to me. He says, the other pastors take it. He said, I can go to any church in this city. They'll take that tithe money. I says, well, go ahead and take it to them because I'm not taking it. Because I know where it came from. I can't live with myself to do that. I can't say, well, I'm just going to justify it this time. And believe you me, there was not a, a Sunday that didn't go by where I saw Pastor Blake counting coins on his desk. When he had the church. I remember it like it was yesterday. And there's no doubt then when we were there, we were counting coins. I just expected to do it. Amen. I knew it was going to happen. If it's happening to him, it's definitely going to happen to me. What? You think I think I have a gift to just get everybody's money? That's not what it is. I expected that to happen. But guess what? I'm not going to stoop down to the level of these people that think that we're just going to justify God's word. We're going to switch it, twist it around and change it to make it fit my comfort zone. It's not going to work that way. Hallelujah. You see, what happens here is Jesus addresses pride in Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. And it says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. You know, we take scriptures like this and, you know, it, it, Jesus is dealing with, he's dealing with the pride right here. He dresses this pride. Serving God is not like obeying human laws, I said just a minute ago. Amen? It's not like, it's not like uh, obeying the human law because there's a difference. See, we obey human law because we don't want to get into trouble. We go the speed limit so we don't get pulled over and get another ticket. We don't drive wild because we could get in an accident and cause death. Uh, did you hear about this NFL football player? He caused, he was drinking and driving. He killed somebody in the street. And guess what? His entire career is going to be over because of it. 
like that because of an ignorant decision that he made. Now, I hope that God helps him and I hope he can get some help. But you know what? We all got to face the consequences of our sin. Isn't that what the Bible says? It's exactly how it happens here. So, so we obey human law because we don't want to get into trouble. And we obey God's law because we love him and he first loved us. That's why we obey him. Amen. John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. Can we keep his commandments? Do we love him? Then I think it's very simple. If we love him, we should keep his commandments. Amen. It's, it's like uh, Brother Dwayne was talking in the offering here. You know, just listen. Just, just be obedient. And watch and see what God does. Amen. It doesn't always feel good being in the trial. You know, I know some people, they, they, don't, they don't like it at all to be on a roller coaster, but they love the feeling once they're done with it. They're like, oh, man, that was awesome. You know, they didn't even breathe. If you caught them on a video camera through the whole thing, they were in a coma on the ride. I mean, I see people that are like, oh, they're dead. Then they get off the ride, they're like, woohoo, that was awesome. I'm like, what are you talking about? You were dead on that ride. You don't even remember it. But it's the thrill of being able to talk about it. Amen? I don't know how I get on some of these things. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. God doesn't make you love him. He's not going to make you love him. He asks you to love him. But he's not going to make you do it. Amen? He won't make you obey him. But God does warn you and I that the consequences of life or to a life of sin is death. He warns us that in his word. He's very clear. He warns us if the world only knew how much God really loved them, it would blow their minds. How simple it is. You know, people, they, they self-deceive themselves. There's no urgency, uh, you know, pl plenty of time. You know, people think, oh, man, I got so much time. I, I can just live my life the way I'm living my life. And, and, you know, I got so much time because, you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said he was coming back and he still hasn't come back. So, you know, I got a lot of time left, man. I can do what I got to do. They, oh, man, I'm sure there's going to be some warning signs. You know, like when I hear the bullets going off outside, I know it's time to run and grab my gun. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says that he's going to come back like the thief in the night. He's going to come back when you don't even know. You, you might be looking for a gun, but guess what? I got news for you. You're not going to have time to get it. Amen. You're not going to have time to, to get on your knees and call out to God and ask him to forgive you. And thank God he's a merciful God that he's going to give some people a seven-year tribulation to get their heart right with God. He's going to give you a seven-year time of torment and trouble. And, man, I'm telling you what, there's a lot of Christians that are just willing to take it. They're just rolling that big old wheel saying, "Woohoo! I'm going to be all right because I still get seven years if I want to make it right. I got news for you. I don't want to be here in those seven years. I'm going to be gone. Hallelujah. Sweet, sweet, by and by, saith the Lord. Glory to God. But you want to know the truth. Sometimes we let our attitudes, we let, oh, this is the way I've always been. Ain't nobody going to change me. Listen, I've been through a lot of changes. And I've said that a lot to a lot of people, that this is who I am. This is the way I am. I sat in church in the very, 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 very back row. Oh, I'm telling you what, married to my wife, married to Pastor Jones's only daughter, his princess, with chewing tobacco in my lip and God slapping me from left to right to dealing with my attitude, dealing with my character, and it took a miracle from God. But guess what? He woke me up. Listen, don't you think for a moment that there's no hope for you. There is a lot of hope for all of us in this place. Amen? 
You know, God's just beginning. He's just getting started to do what he has called us to do in our lives. Hallelujah. You know, after 9-11, we've seen thousands and thousands of people running to the house of God. They were running in. They were giving their lives to the Lord. Oh, I'm telling you something. That day, the next week, the next month, they expressed themselves to their rescuers. They told them, oh, I love you so much. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into that building and racing in there and grabbing us and, and warning us. They visited them. They went outside of their way to visit them. Here they, they have become long life friends with the fireman that saved their life or the police officer that rushed in and got them. They become friends and all because they saved their very short situation. But when God saves us, not only physical, or not only physical, but spiritual. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 41. It says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then it says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word, they were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. See, this was the day of Pentecost. These were, these, this is what was happening in that time. God was doing something powerful. Who was he talking to? He was talking to men and women from all over the world. He was talking to so many different types. They had come to church, and it was the day of Pentecost. It was harvest time for these people. Hallelujah. They were fulfilling their religious duties. Did you hear what I said? They were coming to church on a Wednesday night because they had to. Listen, we're not a robot church here, amen? This is not a robot church. We don't, we, pastor's not calling us and, and, and asking us where you at and what are you doing and how, you know, what are you going to do and la, 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 however it goes. Listen, we're not doing that to create robots. We're doing this to create men and women who have a hunger and a thirst. And I want you to understand that tonight, that it's for your benefit. Hallelujah, amen? Because you are being discipled. You are being groomed. You are being treated like a champion horse. Hallelujah, amen? Because we do not breed, i got to be careful, I don't say it wrong. Help me out, help me say it clean. I better just be nice. We don't, we don't breed donkeys and race horses. Okay? That's not what we do here. You think, yo, I'm just going to come in there and find me the prettiest girl in this church? Guess what? I've already got her. Hallelujah, man. You can't have her. And I know, look at you all telling me, I got her. Well, that's your opinion. Hallelujah, amen. But we're not going to let you just walk in this place and say, oh, I'm going to date whoever I want because I'm a big boy. It's not going to happen that way. Because we're discipling men to serve God first. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Braden, I'm going to give you a word, a word from the Lord. You know, they're getting married in, <laughs> really fast. It's like a week away, isn't it? They're getting married in a week. And I'm going to tell you something, Braden, the devil, he's after you because you have a call of God on your life. And I want to tell you something. The only way the devil can be defeated is if you rise up and say, devil, get thee behind me, Satan. You have no power. He has no authority in your life. You are a child of the living God. Hallelujah. And you are up here. Glory to God. You're not down here. You don't have to look through the brush to see where you're going. You look down and you know exactly. It's like the eagle. He, he, you're soaring in the sky like this. Hallelujah. Because you're walking with God. And God is going to use you to be the greatest husband to this beautiful young lady. And I'm telling you what, it's just going to be amazing. We're, we're, we're proud of you. Amen. And I know the devil's fighting you. I know it's real. But don't you worry. You just shoo them away. Just shoo them away. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's for you too, Joely. Glory to God. You're about to become one. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, that's pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, have my mercy. Mama, you ready to let go? You're the boy? <laughs> She's back there. Praise God, man. I'll tell you what. Get us all worked up over this. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. These were people that had never repented in that day of Pentecost. These were people that, those thousands of people that came to look, yet they had never repented. But God did a miracle. Hallelujah. Amen. So what kind of people did this gospel touch? It touched prostitutes. Drug addicts. Listen, all you got to do is look around this place. We could put every single title up on this back wall and still not have room to put the rest of them. Hallelujah. Drug addicts, liars, thieves, prostitutes, gang members, uh, IRS uh, thieves. Hallelujah. Fishermen, demon-possessed people, rich and poor, soldiers, guards, uh, you know, the sick, the blind, the crippled, seven-time losers uh, in their marriage. You know what Jesus told that woman? He said, go and sin no more. When the whole world wants to just, just, you know, throw stones and cast their stone and, and beat them down, Jesus says, go and sin no more. You know what? I'm going to set you free, deliver you, and you're going to be all right. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. Amen? You see, when we, who deserve to be punished, we do, right? For our sins. When we turn to Christ, let me tell you something. The penalty is paid. Jesus, he becomes our best friend. The Bible says he becomes our provision. Hallelujah. He becomes our strength and our rock. The Bible says he becomes our shield. Amen. These are things that, that you know, in, in, in our everyday walk, in our carnal walk, uh, we don't even realize these things are visible or, or even uh, evitable. And, but they're there when we're with Jesus. When we walk with God, these are the things. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our protection. Glory to God. He is your guide when you are lost. The Bible says, uh, even to the death. Glory to God. And I know I got to hurry because she's coming. Glory to God. But let them piano fingers play for just a half a minute. Hallelujah. Amen. She'll beat me later for it. He's our first love. Your first priority. Michael, that's why you're doing so well. Because you've made him your first love. I would rather walk with you than a thousand religious people. I would rather, and, and I know you got, you're saved. You're on fire for God, man. I hear from him every day. This man wants prayer. This man wants to tell me how God's been so good to him. You know, and, and I don't always talk about him because, because he's just the greatest thing in the world. But you know what? This man has a zeal after God. 
And it's so easy for us to say, oh, this person that, this person's this way, and they're this way, and they're this way. But you know what makes a pastor so happy is to see somebody running after God, hallelujah, in every situation, not just when they're in trouble, but when the times are good, hallelujah. And that's why your family's in church. That's why your boy loves the Lord. That's why, you know what, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect in this place. Amen? Nobody's perfect. But we have to let God do his work in our lives. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Amen. That's for you. That is for me. That's a scripture that he's given to us. God accepts us when no one else will. Isn't that amazing? He accepts us when no one else will. John 15, 19 says, But I chose you out of the, out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You want to know why you go through troubles? It's because the world hates you. The world wants to get you. The devil wants to attack you. He wants to destroy you. See, listen to this. God gives us power over sin. He'll give you power over your addiction. He'll give you power over your wrong thinking and all of those. Let me tell you, one of the biggest killers in the church is our past thinking. Thinking always about what we used to be and what we used to do and how we did it. And man, I'll tell you what, before you know it, you're feeding the temptation and the devil has another stronghold in your life. And listen, but God gave us power over our past failures and our hurts, our habitual backsliding. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is the spirit and the soul and soul doctor in our lives. He doesn't just save you physically, but making you and I the man of God that he has called us and intended us to be. You see, God has an intent for each and every one of us. You see, once we are saved, he never leaves us the same. You're not going to be the same person. You're not. It's just going to be different. Things are going to be great. And you're going to have to hurt some people's feelings by saying, you know what? I'm not going over there anymore. I'm not going to be hanging out with y'all while you're drinking that beer. If you want me in your house, you're going to have to quit drinking your beer. And I'm just going to say this. And I know we don't drink in this church. We preach it. But there are still people who like to drink. If I ever see you drinking, you better say goodbye to me because I'm leaving. I'll grab your beer and throw it in the trash. Hallelujah, amen. You can hate me for it later, but you'll thank me for it too. But you know, those that know me real close, you know I'll go, I'll come up in your house. I'll be looking at your stuff. I'll look at your stuff. You know me. I look in your fridge when you open it up all slow and try to get your little creamer out for you. I'm looking in that fridge because I hope I see something in there because I'm going to get you. Actually, I hope I don't, but you know what I'm saying. That's my job. That's who I am. That's what I've called to be. God uses us that way, man. It's, it's, this is an in-your-face uh, uh, situation here. This is not just, you know what, I'm just going to live my life any way I want to live it, and God's going to just accept that. No, God does not accept that. And he doesn't accept when we just let things go either, because, you know, I saw a person the other day, they, they, they were... They were a church member, and I'm not going to go, no, no names, I haven't seen them in a while, don't worry. They're not here tonight. And they had some alcohol in their cart in the grocery store. Woo, glory to God, Holy Ghost came on me that day. I said, well, somebody's about to have a good party, aren't they? What y'all drinking? <laughs> oh, 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 pastor, you don't, I, I, no words at all. But I guarantee you the conviction of the Holy Ghost comes on them when they pull in that parking lot of that grocery store. They're looking for my squeaky clean logo on the side of a car. And they want to make sure that I'm not there because I will embarrass you. Amen. 
And I hope you accept that because that's what we're all about, amen. We're going we're gonna to make heaven our home. And I'm going to tell you what, if, if I decide to start drinking, the crime rate's going to go up tomorrow. Hallelujah, amen. It's not going to happen. Listen, when God saves us, we, we are not those people anymore. That is not what we desire anymore. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. I was watching a clip. Somebody sent me a clip, and it's all these prisoners worshiping God, and they're just praising the Lord. And, and you know, most people would say, look at these guys. They're praising because they're caught. No, they're praising. Maybe they did get caught, and they're sorry because they got caught, but they're worshiping the Almighty God. Hallelujah. Can't we give thanks for people who are worshiping the Lord? Many times we, we beat down the church, many times because our zeal and our hunger is so strong. But listen, you are here tonight. You came to hear the word of God. You're online tonight. You're watching this service. You're listening to these words that God has put in my heart. But you're receiving from the Lord. We're not here to punish you, amen. We're here to help you get to heaven. Glory to God. That's what our goal is, amen. And I'm going to finish. I see her coming here. She's going to be mad at me. See, Jesus... He prophesied of, in, of himself in Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm closing here. 61 verse 1 through 3. It says, preach to the poor. No money is poor in spirit. We're not talking about the poor people that don't have any money. We're talking about people that are poor in spirit. People want to wonder all the time, why in Africa, why in these foreign countries are people so hungry for God? I'll tell you what, there's a spirit of healing in those places. There's a hunger in those people's lives. You know, here, we get hungry. We just stop any, any old flashing light on the side of the road and get something to eat. People just go into any old church, any old church parking lot. And I've seen them, they'll pull in the parking lot and pray, and that's good enough for them. They just leave, and they feel better. But see, Jesus, he says, preaching to the poor. He said, heal the brokenhearted. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to just paraphrase it here. To proclaim liberty. This is all in verse 60, uh, 60, chapter 61, verse 1. To proclaim liberty to the captives. What is the captive? The drug, drug addict? Drugs, violence, alcohol, perversion? Destructive lifestyles? All kinds of different things that are going on. This is in the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Ask what prison Listen to this. I want to ask you a question. What prison has your lifestyle put you in today? I said, what prison has your lifestyle put you in today? Are you in the prison of bondage? Are you in the prison of perversion? Are you into the prison of anger and guilt? And, and, and I mean, you put your own, whatever it is, your own prison there. This is not to condemn you today, but this is to help you get yourself out of that prison because, listen, the answer is very simple. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that was paid on Calvary's cross for you and for me. And believe me, if his blood can change me, then there's no doubt in my mind he can change you. There's no doubt in my mind that if he could change you, that he can change your loved ones, your family members, your father, your mother, those that are sick, God can heal their bodies. God can change your situation like that if you would just learn to trust Him. It does not take a, a, a magical prayer. It does not take a special word to the Lord. It takes an honest, humble heart before God. And God is so faithful. He is so faithful. He will love you. He will help you. He'll encourage you. Verse 2 says, to comfort all who mourn. When you're going through it, when you hurt, when you're in pain, when you feel like you've lost something, when you feel like the desires of your heart has been ripped away from you. 
His word is so simple. It says to comfort all who mourn. And then verse 3, it says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Or the spirit of heaviness and depression. I'm going to tell you something. Oh, he says, I'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He'll give you a garment of praise to put on. Oh, I'm telling you, when you don't feel it, when you don't know which direction you're heading in, he says, I'll give you that garment of praise. Put it on. I wish right there he'd have just said, I dare you to put it on. Because some of us need to be dealt with like that. But all you got to do is look around this place today, starting with our pastor and his wife. They're a miracle. He's told the story many times here about his testimony sitting as rebellious as can be in the back seat of a church, rebellious with glasses on his head, didn't care. I could see it like it was yesterday. You guys don't even realize that was vanilla ice back in his day. But he was rebellious as all get out. Guess what God did? He got a hold of him because he was obedient. Might have been running. Might have, been, might have been in pain. Might have been there not wanting to be, which I'm sure was the case. But guess what? God has a mysterious way of grabbing somebody and changing their life with an intent, knowing that to, over 20 years later, he would have already been in the mission field preaching the gospel, raised a family in a foreign country, moved his family all the way across the world to plant a church right here in Denton, Texas so that you can walk into this place and give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't you tell me that God does not have a plan. God has a game plan. God has a mysterious way of getting down to the deep, deepest of the deepest in our lives. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. He says, they that may be called trees of righteousness need to plant your roots deep deep I've seen people come into this place they started a, planting the root started watering it and decided I'm gonna pick my roots and I'm gonna move on to somewhere else we don't know where those people are today we're not gonna curse them at all but where are they we need to be grounded we need to go through those storms of life wind and rain. He says, I will protect you in the fire. I want to ask you tonight, are you at the end of your rope with no hope or do you have hope tonight? Is there hope that God can get through all those muddy waters and get down to the heart and deal with you the way he needs to deal with you? Because it's not fair for us to throw a pity party with God and say, God, you don't understand. This is the way I am, and this is the way I do things, and this is how I am, and, and I'm so sick and tired of people, and people make me mad and mean. We can't do that to God. Because the price he's already paid is more sufficient than any of the pain that we're going through today in our lives. Are you like the thief on the cross? hung on that cross next to Jesus he sat there he was condemned this man was condemned sentence uh, uh, his sentence is being carried out at this time no hope for this person at all 
want to tell you something. No matter how long you've been saved, how long you've been a Christian, I want you to listen to me. Has God been trying to change you? Has God been stirring you up and speaking to you to help you to understand some things His way, not just your way? He's trying to help you and you jump off the wheel. You jump completely off. You question the potter who made you. You're, you're the clay. You jump off of the wheel because you didn't like the way something happens. Listen, change, it really hurts. It hurts. There's several reasons a doctor puts you under before he cuts out the problem in your life, the pain. Another reason, if you could see what he was about to do, you'd probably run out of that place. You know, today we don't have to worry about that. With Jesus, there's healing, there's power, there's authority. But we have to let down our pride. We have to understand that there is hope for us tonight. All over this place, I want to make a call. You're online watching tonight. You're sitting at home on that couch. Maybe you're laying in your bed with your family and you're just watching this, this service tonight. In reverence to the Lord. And I want to make a call for you tonight. You're here in this place. You're there at home. And you're, got, you're away from God. You have not accepted Him as your personal Savior. You're away from Him. You're, you're lost in your sin. In the bondage of sin. And you, have, you feel like there's just no way out. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. All over this place, just put it up. And put it right back down. Front to back, side to side. You say, Pastor, listen, I've even been in church for many years, but there's something in my life that just controls me, and I have no control over it, and I'm done with this. I want to surrender to God tonight. If that is you, just lift your hand. Listen, I'm not going to beg you to lift your hand tonight, but if that is you, I feel the conviction touching somebody tonight, and I'm telling you, if that's you, just put it up and put it right back down. God is going to deliver you through your obedience and your faith of, of saying, that is me. Just put it up and put it right back down. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet if we would. I know God works in very mysterious ways, and I know God's going to deal with us tonight. I ministered on quite a bit, and I had a lot more to say, but I'll get to preach again. Hallelujah. Amen. It's, it's my heart's desire. I love to share God's Word and to minister His Word, but I think we need to understand the importance of who we are in God. Not just because he said it, but because I'm doing it. I'm doing it, amen? I'm serving God. I'm walking with God. I'm not, we don't come to church to play. This isn't a playground. We don't come here to just see our friends and hang out and have a good time. Although all those things are wonderful, they're great. I love to see you all every single week when I come to church. Every service, these doors are open. I love it. I get to be here to, to hear the beautiful music and the worship and just to be uh, here in the house of the Lord worshiping God. But it's more important than that. This is a hospital. Don't you think that we come to a place when we're sick and, and, and we just ask God to help us? Thank God we don't have to go to a hospital and ask them, how can I, how can I change this mind battle I'm going through? Because you know what they would do? They'd load you up with pills. They'd jab you about 50 times with something. We come to the house of God. We get to call upon the name of the Lord. And you cannot fool me. We go to our workplaces, wherever we go, even to the grocery stores. You cannot go anywhere without being tormented in your mind. Like I said before, this thing right here, it, it's destroying families. 
Oh, Pastor, ain't nothing on my phone. Okay, okay. You can tell me that all day long, but guess what? I know you. I know your fruit. I know what's going on. Not to judge you. I'm not saying everybody's got a problem. That's not what I'm saying, but guess what? If I include myself into this, would it be okay to say so? I think it would. We all battle things, all of us, not just these young children. I call you all young children, but you're grown up, you're getting big. But guess what? The problems you have today are nothing compared to the problems that you're going to see in your life. Because they're trying to take the church away. They're trying to take our, our freedom of religion away. <laughs> you can take mine away. I'm going to be in jail preaching. Hallelujah. We'll all be together. Glory to God. You can take us all. Let me see you build a jail cell that big. They'll have to build a prison the size of Canyon City just to hold this church down. Hallelujah. Because we're going all the way with Jesus. Listen, we don't have an excuse. Amen. Come on, make your way forward. Let's pray. We're going to pray in just a moment together before we go offline. And uh, we're going to come down here. We're going to pray. All of us pray together. Let's come on. Come on down here. We're going to pray. I like to get everybody down to this altar because it gives us a place and a time with God. Hallelujah. I don't care what your need is. It, maybe it's a relationship problem with your mother, your father. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's with your uncle, your neighbor. You can pray about that in just a moment. I want us to pray. Before we go offline, let's repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I will serve you from this moment forward. I surrender to you right now. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, to make me a brand new person. Lord, from this moment forward, I pray you go with me, that you lead me and direct me, and lead me by your Holy Spirit. I will serve you, and I will give you praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give the Lord praise. We're going to sing a song to the Lord. We're going to worship Him as we sing. Talk. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.